coming from that place though, as well, is that most of us know how to give and most of us know how to adapt to fit in. Right. So we, I, I used to say I was the ultimate chameleon where I didn't mm. even know what songs I liked, because if you were standing beside me and you said, I like this band, I was going to say, I like them too. Like simple versions. Right. But the more that I, and this is where kind of the solo goddess got born was like, I had to learn how to lean into me first, which is like, what do I want? Hey, hey, welcome back to the Unleashed podcast with Mona and Erica. I hope wherever you are, you are having a wonderful day evening, morning, night, any time of day. Today, we get to chat with Sharice Morris, who is a feminine embodiment coach and a natural health and wellness advocate. She is all about helping women find their true radiant selves and embody the goddess within. To sum up the conversation that we had, I'm going to read a quote of Charisse's, which just resonates with me so much and kind of just explains a little bit about her. So here she is. Reclaim your wild feminine desire. Turn on the pleasure and the ecstasy in this life. Reclaim the goddess that is all of you. Wow, I'm in love. That's Sharice, and this is our conversation. Okay, here we are. I'm so delighted. I have Sharice with us today. What a pleasure. Uh, Sharice, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a feminine embodiment coach. So I don't even know what that means, but I would love for you to just kind of dive right in and tell us a little bit about that and how you got to be there. Oh, it's... um... Basically, I've gotten there through my own journeys, and it's a way that the title kind of came to me because it, it's not really like a life coach or a personal coach. It was it was about embracing um, the feminine aspects of our energy and our nature. So, um, what was it two years ago? As I kind of started to journey into this personal development world. I was like in that like do, do, do phase. I'm like, what do I have to do? What do I have to fix? How do I have to elevate myself? Like, it was like, if I want to go from here to here, how do I get there? And um, so I was constantly asking myself like what to do, what to do. And I would get really stuck in the, like, I still have something to fix. I still have something to fix. And when it kind of got brought to my attention that that was very masculine driven energy um, I did, had no idea what that was. I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. I'm like, it's just me. And they taught, um, I had a coach that kind of told me a little bit about feminine and masculine energy and how like that masculine energy is like that doer. They, they take action, they go, and we all have both in us. Um, but the feminine is kind of that like flowy, if you visualize like a river, right? Like the, my favorite um, visualization for masculine and feminine energy is the feminine is the river and the masculine are the banks. So I was like, okay, well, I don't even know what it's like to be in the feminine. And 
so I started kind of leaning into what that felt like for me first with like what brought me joy or what brought me pleasure. And then what brought me play, like pleasure, play, all these little things that had been forgotten, especially as I became a mom that I was like, I don't know how to play. I had to actually Google search how to play because <laughs> I was like, I was at a blank. And the more I started like learning about the feminine energy, I was like, this is actually my natural way of being. And it's more about being and attracting rather than doing. And from that space, when I'm embodied in that space and feeling in alignment, then I can take action. And so I can honor both. So in a way I, long story short, yes, (laughs) long story long. I help other women try and find that because especially after having kids, we can get so caught up in giving ourselves to everybody else and do, do, doing all the time. And that's what leads to like that woman burnout where we're just like, I got nothing. I've given everything away. Absolutely. I feel like our, we are so conditioned in our culture to be the doers and just kind of do, 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 give, give, give. And that's not really authentically who we are as women. That's not who we were designed to be. So I love that you've started on this journey. So was it having kids? Was it something else in your life that kind of got you to this realization? Like, what was that point? Was there a specific point or was it just a slow evolution? It's been a slow evolution. So I like to think of it as kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion because there are times that I actually have to go back to you know, like I can, I can raise awareness to my wounding, such as like an abandonment wound that's from my past, but I have to go back and meet it at a different level every time. So I guess my journey started, I, I, I always say I've always been in this constant quest for knowledge. I felt different as a kid and I wanted to understand other people. So in turn, trying to understand myself and why I felt different. And then Uh, I had a marriage ended six years ago, and that's where I was first introduced to personal development. And when I started like reading some books, my very first book was Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. And I was like, I have never been vulnerable a day in my life. I don't even know what that means. And um, it's been that constant quest since. So I just add on another piece to the puzzle and another piece to the puzzle. It's And I feel like the more that I start to learn and the more layers I can shed away that aren't me and I can come more and more into authentically embodying who I am, not what, you know, society tells us to be or whatever. So. Absolutely. I think I, you know, that's what Mona and I are on this journey is really looking at, and especially, you know, as just being women, but people as a whole, but as women, how has society shaped us, the cultural beliefs, how is that impacting every single thing that we do? I feel like we're so conditioned to think about what everybody else thinks of us, wants us to do, how they want us to show up, that we really just disconnect from our true selves and who we are. And so I, I love this. This is like the unleashing, um, the unleashing of us, of women. And I think the power in that, when we can do that, is going to be world-changing, transformational. And that's why you know we're kind of on this journey And so I love that you are on this journey as well. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit more. You've mentioned that you had never been vulnerable in your life. So what, tell us a little bit more about that. What does vulnerability look like for you now? Mm, 
So when I started to like recognize some of my past wounding through counseling and stuff, I, when we suffer any sort of trauma, like our main thing is to go into that masculine um, and we shift into what do we need to do? So we like, it's like that next step, like, how do we survive? And most of us as women, I think, especially women and mothers, we're like, we're just trying to get through the day at the end of the day. And then once the end of the day is done, we're like, well, I have to get up and do it all again tomorrow. So that shift kind of came in when I started to recognize like some of the past wounding and stuff of myself and recognizing that through some of my traumas growing up, um, having my mom leave and watching my, my dad get heartbroken, I kind of shut myself off to feeling because I was a super sensitive kid and um, feeling seemed really really scary. My dad, you know, (laughs) was really heartbroken after my mom left. And I was like, I don't want to give anybody that power to control me like that. So yeah, I spent right after my marriage when I read that book and I was like, oh gosh, I don't know if I've ever let anybody in like that because my world has been me taking care of me. And I knew that that was the only person that I could fully rely on. Um, It was a slow kind of letting down of my guard. Like we put up this shield to protect us from the world, but that shield doesn't let stuff in, but it also doesn't let stuff out. So it's hard for us to open our hearts and to heal. And I think my biggest aha moment when I was like, I don't think I've ever been vulnerable was like, if I'm not vulnerable, can I actually fully love? And that really kind of was like, I don't even know if I've ever been fully open to loving in my life. And I felt like there was a deeper love out there than I had seen modeled by my parents or modeled in the world. And so I wanted to go for that. And I knew I had to keep opening myself up. So it was that like, it's just a slow putting down my armor, little pieces at a time. (laughs) What, what does Brene Brown say? Isn't it hard back, soft front? Is that her saying for vulnerability? I don't know. I'm pretty uh, sure I heard, I listen to her all the time. I just, everything she says, I'm just like fist pumping as I'm driving to work. It's incredible. <laughs> um, you know, I've had this thought this morning. Every time we make a decision in life or every time we think about uh, reacting or a reaction, if we wonder in ourselves, does this come from conditioning or does this come from a place of authenticity? We can really peel off those layers. And it sounds like that's what you're getting to. I had another question for you. You said, you know, you didn't know what it, what it meant to play. Dig into that a little bit for me. (laughs) What does that mean? That caught my Um, interest. So I had a counselor um, a couple of years ago when I first, like, he was like, what brings you joy? And when I was like, well, when the other people around me are happy and he's like, no, like what brings Sharice joy? Like, he's like, do you even know? And I'm like, like totally avoided the question. I was like, every which way to circle around it. And then, so I went home and I was like, I never answered that question. Cause I didn't know I had no answer because I, I felt like I was just, I was just going through life, but it wasn't actually living life. Like it wasn't experiencing it. And I think that's the biggest part when we're not vulnerable, we cut ourselves off from feeling, but we can't feel the good or the bad. We don't feel any of it. And when I was like, okay, so the quickest way to find joy is, is finding things that light you up. And so they often say, sorry, 
sirens. <laughs> all good. <laughs> they are like, I've heard before that finding joy is like finding your place. So what made you happy when you were a kid? Was it riding horses or was it dancing or whatever it was that kind of you enjoyed doing? But I had a lot of trauma as a kid. So I don't actually even remember things that really lit me up as a kid. And so I just kind of like, I was like, I don't, I went on a quest to find my play and find my joy. And I was like, what do I like? I like dancing. So I took a dance class. Um, I, when I Googled what play looks like, it said, you know, what do kids do? And so mm. luckily I have two kids and I was like, okay, what, what do they do? And in that moment, I invited myself that, you know, how often our kids ask us to play with them and we say, no, like we're too busy or we're cooking or we're doing something else. I gave my pers- myself permission to say yes. And I gave myself permission to not turn down an invite to play. So if a friend was like, hey, let's go on a road trip sporadically. I was like, okay, let's do it. Or if my kids shot me with a Nerf gun, I would get up as much as it like sometimes was inconvenient. I would get up and go get a Nerf gun and we'd have a Nerf gun war in our house. I just gave myself opportunity to like, oh, right. I made this commitment to myself that I wanted to find more joy and more play that if they invite me, I have to say yes. And so we'd find, I'd find ourselves like wrestling on the bed before bedtime or yeah, Nerf gun rewards were the big one. <laughs> uh, really just like getting on the ground and playing with them and stuff. And I started to feel more youthful when I did that, like snowball fights and rolling through the snow and things like that. I love it. Yeah, you know, t- I had this conversation with a dad at the playground just the other day. We watched this kid just launch himself off the playground like 10 feet. Like it was nuts. <laughs> and the dad just looks at me and he goes, yeah, that looks painful. And I said, yeah, I don't think we can do that as adults anymore. And he just looked at me and he goes, it's because we've forgotten how to play. We're mm-hmm. so busy paying the mortgage. We're so busy doing all the things. We don't even know how to play anymore. Nope. And I just was like, wow, it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, Sharice, you're not alone in your journey of not knowing joy. I vividly remember having that same realization in my twenties where I was like, I don't even know what I like. I don't even know how to feel joy. I don't even know what I, I don't even know. How do I like my eggs? Like I was literally runaway bride. I'm not stealing that from, from, um, what's that actor, actress's name. I'm totally blanking right now. Um, Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts, Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm her. I had that realization. And I, I was, had to go on a similar journey to you where I had to sit there and really figure out who it is that I am and what it is that I like and what brings me joy. And I'm still really now conscious of it. And it's been really fun. Some of the things that I've found in my life too. So uh, I love that we're having this conversation and I don't know about you, Mona, like, have you had that experience as well, where you were just in this mode of like giving, giving, giving and people pleasing around you? Oh, you know, the answer to this. I do but I'm yeah, inviting an- you to share. Uh, the, the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. It's a terrible no. answer, but the it's answer is no. Great. And you know, I'm so glad because um, Sharice brought up the masculine versus feminine qualities. And for some weird reasons, you know, all the podcasts I share with Erica, I realized the other day, they're all men. I listen other than Brene Brown. I listen to, I'm just drawn to the male podcasts. I've been, you know, very athletic for most of my life. I have, I know, I can tell you guys right now, my play, like if you ask me my play, I could go on for hours about that. And I indulge probably too much, straight up. There's pros and cons, you know, to each side. Um, But I live my life 
to play. And sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, I have responsibilities. I got to pay my phone bill. About your play? Yes, please. Is it all like masculine play? Um, Do you honor your feminine at all? You know what? I don't know. So help me out, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because that's, you know, it's interesting um, because I kind of opened my eyes a little bit to as females, we're really like emotional and really sensitive. And especially if we've grown up playing sports, we've almost had to cut those emotions down (laughs) and we've had to like show up in a little bit more masculine in that competition world. And so there was a part of me that always envied men in their ability to like compartmentalize and to like move on from a situation. So <laughs> I, it's one of the reasons why I was like, you know, let's do the, the masculine thing because they don't feel I'm not, this is not to all men, <laughs> but they just, they, they're, they, they get over things so quick. They're just like cut and dry. And whereas like women can ruminate on things forever. So as far as like feminine play, cause I was all masculine. It would be sports. It would be, um, weightlifting. It would be all this, like really like get my adrenaline out, get my energy out, but I didn't honor the feminine at all. And one of that, like when I first started getting into the childlike play, I started recognizing where I could honor my feminine a little bit more. And whether that was to like put on something lacy um, or put on something flowy, like, cause I, you know, through the last two years with COVID, there hasn't been many occasions to wear a dress. So I'd put on like a dress and get all dressed up for no reason at all. Um, take myself out on a date or just have a wicked dance party in the house, like just little things that honored my feminine. And now I'm trying to do enough to honor both finding a way to honor both my masculine. So uh, it's like the difference between yoga and weightlifting for me. Weightlifting honors my masculine. Yoga honors my feminine because it's a little bit softer and a little bit more flowy. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay. So you know, for me, horseback riding has been my thing. Um, I, I like, I love team activities, but I don't need to be number one. You know, for me, it's never been about the competition. It's only been the participation, I guess. And then with the horses, there's um, a much deeper piece where there's healing. There's this beautiful saying where horses are a mirror. Mm-hmm. And it's a Honda. I'm finding this to be true with myself, with my children, with strangers who meet my horses. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I'm this really weird medium piece. It's, it's, I, it's really odd. The only way I can describe it is... You know, around men, I'm the girl, but around the girls, I'm a little bit more of the dude. In it's polarity, in, right? Yes, in Switzerland, there always has to be that balance. Yeah. So in my country of origin, in Switzerland, I'm like I can feel it. I'm the Canadian, but here in Canada, I feel very Swiss a lot of the time. You know, in a room full of liberals, I'm the conservative. In a room full of conservatives, I'm the liberal. It's really interesting. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure what that means. I've noticed this my whole life. But um, I also wanted to ask you, so once, once you began to swim that line more fluidly be- between masculine and feminine, what did your life look like? What changed? What got better? What, did you st- what, what new struggles came up? Um, what continues to change? So 
we always kind of strive for balance, but I don't know if balance is ever fully achievable or at least what we think is balance. Like we think balance is like right in the middle and I have to be in the middle all the time. But like you said, it's fluid, right? It's that, you know, when we need to show up in our masculine, we'll show up in our masculine. When we need to show up in our feminine, we'll show up in our our feminine. And a lot of really good partnerships work like that, right? Where whether they're man, woman, it doesn't matter if they're having a more soft, like emotional, vulnerable moment, they're in their feminine. So they need somebody, their partner to show up in more of a masculine grounding space, right? But the problem is, is if one is always showing up one way and one is always showing up in the other way, there's no fluidity, right? So the more I start leaning into honoring both, because I was like, a huge pendulum. I'd be like, okay, I've been so far in my masculine that I'm really scared of it now. So all I want is my feminine. And I'd lean more that way. And now it's kind of like that pendulum is starting to swing a little bit more into the middle. What I find when I'm in that space is there's a natural attraction where I can surrender to my faith in stuff is going to work out. Like I'm I'm a self-employed business owner and Um, There are days where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills at the end of the month. But if I lean into my feminine where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to relax and let it flow and trust the universe. Um, The right opportunities or I'll get an influx of patients calling me and being like, hey, can I book appointment? And it just works out. So I know when to take an, an action because it's there in front of me and I know when to rest. So I'm giving my body more of what it needs and allowing myself to go a little bit slower. So I feel like I'm more present in that space as well. Instead of these knee-jerk reactions. Yes. And I was a very like reaction, reactive to whatever came my way. I was like, oh, I have to worry about this right now. And oh my God. Right now I'm like, okay, do I have to worry about this right now? Or let's see, let's feel it out. Right. Right. And so you kind of alluded to this before, and maybe I got the answer to my question, but And now I'm going to say men um, only because, you know, I'm not well versed in in same sex couples at all. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, when we're talking about feminine and masculine energies, really, this conversation could go either way. But so if you have a partner, the best way of participating in these relationships is both being able to tap into both sides, essentially, for when that yin and the yang for when the other individual needs it. Yeah. 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 There's, it's always like, so it it should be about balance, right? It's in that, in that aspect, like if you are 60% more feminine and 40% masculine, your partner most likely will be 60% masculine and 40% feminine, but that's not to say it can't swing where you're maybe you know, 70% feminine in this, and he goes a little bit more masculine, right? And so it's that constant, like, flow of back and forth, and really good partnerships will allow for space to be both. And sometimes in a partnership, uh, I'll show up in my masculine and like, to have a partner be like, no, that's not needed right now. And it's like, you can surrender because my wounding will initially want to like, put that shield up right away and challenge that masculine energy. And so it's that like, if he challenges me back, then I can surrender a little bit and write, oh, right. Now I can go back into my feminine. Have you been finding that 
Now, I don't know if you're dating right now or if you're in a relationship, but are you finding that you are now being drawn to people that can show you more of all those sides? Yes. A lot of like this journey into finding that authentic me was like finding out what I wasn't first. And it was a lot of like, oh, nope, that's not for me. Oh, so I got very clear on what I needed from a partner. What has changed in my relationships is like, now I can fully actually express my needs. I'm like, I need my partner to show up in a grounded masculine, especially when I'm having like a more of emotional, emotional day or whatever. I know that I can speak my needs and then I can speak to my partners. And this is whether it's like my intimate partner or even my male friends. Like, I'm like, this is what I need from you as a friend. And he can say, I can meet you there or I can't. And it's in that like space. It's like, okay, well, if he can't meet me there, then I know that he's not for me because this is what I need. Oh, this is so beautiful because you just opened the door to one of the things I really wanted to chat with you about, which it was, and you know, Erica knows all this. This is where I start digging because it just is fascinating to me. I think that as women, a lot of times we have stopped putting our needs out there. Unlike I would say most men, let's say most, I don't want to generalize too much, but a lot of the men in my life who I know have no problem, you know, putting it out there. You know, this is what I need. This is what I want. And then us women on the other side, we generally, we do that thing where you were talking about where we just give, give, give without putting our needs out there. My theory sometimes is that we've been conditioned to be this way because if we do, then, whoa, we are acting like a man. We are, you know, or we might be bitchy or we might have really high standards, which could be, you know, has been misconstrued in my opinion as something that's unwanted to be seen from society out of a woman. So once you've shown up where you bring your needs forward, I love that you said they can choose to either indulge in that or not. And that to me is a beautiful step forward because I think so many women are so worried about putting their needs out there because yes, someone could say no, but I think we need to push past that. I think we need to push past. It's okay. If they want to say no, we need to respect that. And we need to just move on and find someone because later on in relationships, when we do really want to put those needs out there, it's almost Oh, I can see the point of the other person saying, well, I've never known this before. Right. Because we never put it out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like we, we change because all of a sudden we're comfortable, but then the other person is thinking, who are you? Because we were not that we were scared to be that. And only in that comfort does it get there. We should just become comfortable right from step one. And then we could figure out, is this going to work? Isn't it going to work? Relationships are tough enough. (laughs) yeah I wish I wish people showed up and spoke their truth to be honest but we're so scared of like hurting other people like if I say my needs then they're gonna think that they're not enough or what so we get super scared to show who we are and show our truth but in fact people actually respect us more when we do share our truth and sometimes the truth isn't exactly easy to hear I know I've had friends call me out on stuff and I'm like I love you but I don't know if I can swear, but oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, but I love you. Yeah. But fuck you for calling me out on my bullshit. But 
really, I respect that friendship a lot more when I have a friend who can call me out when, you know, I have shitty behavior because majority of us actually haven't really been held accountable accountable and haven't had people around us hold us accountable because everybody's walking on eggshells around everybody. And that's, I think coming from that place though, as well, is that most of us know how to give and most of us know how to adapt to fit in. Right. So we, I, I used to say I was the ultimate chameleon where I didn't mm. even know what songs I liked, because if you were standing beside me and you said, I like this band, I was going to say, I like them too. Like simple versions. Right. But the more that I, and this is where kind of the solo goddess got born was like, I had to learn how to lean into me first, which is like, what do I want? Oh, I want to go out on a date and be dressed all up and be treated well. So can I give that to myself? Yes. And so I would take myself out, right? Like I started to learn how I wanted to be treated through treating myself. And that was like the most beautiful gift in being single that I could have gotten was I learned what I needed from myself first. And that's why I can say, Hey, this is what I need. And it's okay if they don't meet me there because I know I can give it to myself. That is, yeah, it's so powerful. And I think it's absolutely more powerful than any one of us actually know until we go there. Now, sexually speaking, what does this look like in this sexual world? Because so years and years and years ago, somebody gifted me this book. I don't even know how I got it. Anyway, it was called the Hot Woman's Hand Guide or Hot Woman's Hot Woman's Handbook. Handbook. Hot Woman's Handbook, yes. And it was incredible. And I shared it with one of my other girlfriends. And it was just one of these moments where it just clicked. And it was like, there is nothing wrong with knowing things about yourself and knowing things about yourself that you're not, that you're going to ask for, or at least if it's not working for you, let's put that out there. But what a barrier. So here's the interesting thing I was thinking about this is that (laughs) when we are not true to ourselves and saying what we need, what happens? We end up really resentful at the end of the day because we just keep like suppressing who we are. We just keep suffocating who we are and what we want. And these little things add up and we get really resentful towards our partner. So are we really doing them a favor when we just keep doing what they want and we're not honoring ourselves and what we want? We're sabotaging the relationship right from the get-go. Yes, we're a hundred percent self-sabotaging. And then I think, like one of the beautiful things that came um, into my awareness was that we all understand the theory of love and we're all taught, like we all really love to fall in love, but none of us are really taught how to keep it, how to keep love alive. Like we, I mean, live in a world of fairy tales, right? Where it's like this prince comes and nobody touches in on like Cinderella 15 years later, who was a chronic people pleaser scrubbing the floor and then gets married yes. to the prince and she's, you know, now has five kids and now still scrubbing the floor and people pleasing and resentful because he goes out to all the balls and all that stuff. Right. Nobody touches on that stuff, but like women need to understand that pleasure is in our birthright. Sex is not just all about the man. It is within our birthright. And it's sad to me that there are women that are in their fifties and sixties that have never experienced an orgasm. Right. Oh. Like, Yes. We're not taught about those things. We're not taught, but like we have a literal button on our body 
that has 8,000 nerve endings just designed for pleasure. Like pleasure is the feminine's way. And that's how we become a magnet and how we attract what we need. Like when you're truly in the feminine, receiving is your natural way of doing, right? Whereas like the masculine is about giving and the masculine feels supported because he can give you pleasure. And he's like, wow, I've never made her feel like that before. Right. And it, it, it gives both that masculine and that feminine purpose when we lean into our birthright and our, and we lean into like, yes, pleasure. There's a book. Um, she comes first. Mm. I have a whole bunch of sex books because <laughs> it's part of when you lean into the feminine energy, it's part of like just that natural rabbit hole that you go down about this, like goddess energy where you're embodying pleasure and it's very interesting because like our depth of what we understand from sex and what is is actually capable like our orgasms are far greater than we can actually possibly even imagine and that's because we're not taught we're not like we're just given a little tiny piece of the puzzle and we don't lean in and then when we lean into that people pleaser phase it's all about making sure that the guy feels good right so yeah, it's not just even people people pleasing. It's also literally like taboo. Yeah. It oh, is yeah. absolutely mind-blowing when we really, you know, dig this up because it's such a big piece of that puzzle as to, you know, why a lot of women like Erica said become resentful in relationships, but you know, in the end we're resentful to other pl- people when really uh, the key player is us. We're mm-hmm. the gatekeeper. We're the ones absolutely blocking our own passions our own play our own wants and needs from our own lives and then laying that on other people because i feel like that's also a very conditioned and accepted response mm-hmm. um so i i think it's just absolutely wonderful that you're bringing awareness to this i am wondering though have you i i know that you know my girlfriends and i speak about this a lot but there's this this piece i think inside of a lot of women where we wonder if I come out and I change, so I see the light bulb and I come out and I'm having a, sec- a se- entering a sexual experience with a man and I change who I am, will I be respected in that? Now, I, I love that statement of yours where it's like, if, if they know how to please you, it actually elevates their sexual experience as well. And my husband says that to me all the time. Um, but I think a lot of women have trouble believing that because they're so worried about a no or or, you know, some sort of negative, how would you talk a woman through that? Well, I mean, one of the biggest things a woman can work on is her empowered. No. And yes. being able to say no and truly own it. And I think that is one thing that I've really had to work on. And it's my favorite thing is I can just say, no, thank you without any sort of explanation. But how many times do people say, Oh no, sorry, I can't because of this and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, do they really need to know that? (laughs) They don't need to know that, but we're so worried about offending them by saying no, that we give them all the reason why we're not saying no, instead of like, no, it's okay. It's okay to say no. We do not have to be a yes woman all the time. (laughs) And I think- In any aspect of our lives. In any, it doesn't matter, sex or like you, and it doesn't matter. It's okay to say no. And I think a lot of times like that's, it's gotten us into a world 
where like there is high levels of sexual abuse and stuff because women haven't honored our no for a really long time. Right. And I know even in my marriage, I had to, I actually had to come to grips a few, it was about a year ago where I actually understood that like my no wasn't appreciated. It wasn't heard and it was actually ignored. And it was like, and I thought it was okay because it was in a marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, this is my duty as a wife. No, your no is totally and a hundred percent accepted, but we also have to stand in those no's, right? We have to honor our boundaries. And I was a person that I could put out a boundary and I would like, <laughs> let somebody blow trample right all over it. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter where we are, like just practicing no, right? If you don't feel like going out today because you got your period and you said yes to plans and now you don't want to go out, it's okay to say no. And I did have to deal with friends that were like a little bit huffy because I'd say yes one time and then like, you know, getting closer to the event, I'd say no because it just didn't align for me or work for me anymore. And it, it was like, well, this is my no, you can accept it or not. Like it's, it's not anything against you. It's just, it's a no for me right now. Right. Yeah. And through this journey, you know, when, when you start saying no authentically, did you feel like your relationships changed with the people around you, friends, family? What can you explain that a little bit? Um, like you said, I did have some tough moments with some friends that were used to me saying yes. And I've just actually had recently had this conversation with a friend where I was like, I'm like, these are my boundaries. And he was like, I don't like you very much right now. And I was like, <laughs> well, it's because I've never really had any boundaries with you. And now I do. And he's like, yeah. And I kind of took you for granted. And I'm like, yes. Right. Like, so he actually respects me more now because I've put out boundaries and I was like, yeah, I know this sucks because those boundaries weren't there, but now they are, but I'm still here. Like you can choose to focus on what you're missing or choose to focus on what's right in front of you and what you have. And it was like holding space for him because he was having that moment of like this boundaries here that wasn't here. And I'm going to, you know, have my tantrum that this boundaries here. And I'm like, okay. Right. So that has elevated our relationship just by honoring my truth and my boundary and some relationships have naturally fallen away, but others have grown stronger. And I find I feel more solid now where if I have to say no, it's like, I just say no. And I allow, it gives me also, I was totally like, one of those friends that if you canceled on me, I got really butthurt about it. I was just like, yeah. hmm, like mostly because I'd have to arrange a babysitter or whatever. And it was, it sucked if things would cancel. But now I accept my friends in like, I, if my friends can't hold space for me or I can't hold space for them, am I really showing up in the best version of myself if I'm already depleted? The best visual that I've just had is, um, my friend raised awareness to the fact that I only fill my gas tank, like a quarter of the tank. So I'm always running on empty, right? I fill it up just enough that I can give to other people. And then I'm burning through it and running on empty instead of taking that space to fully fill myself up so that I can give a hundred percent to my relationships and to my kids and to my job. Because most women's jobs are 
we we're in jobs that are we're naturally givers right so we go to work and we give and we come home and we give and then we have our relationships and all these things to tend to so if we're only filling our tanks up a quarter of the way we're burning on empty most of the time and I think this is why women are struggling so hard in burnout right now and I think Mm -hmm. COVID lit a big old magnifying glass to that because now we were expected to for some cases homeschool but also keep your job also keep your house together also make sure that you're, you know, doing all the things you were before, like it just piled on. And I think, you know, one of the things with COVID that really kind of showed a lot of us was that it was unsustainable and it got even more unsustainable. And I think, you know, that's why we're seeing some of these things like the great resignation and all of that, but that's because women just keep taking it on. We just have this like identity that has been, you know, given to us with societal, cultural, religious, whatever, um, indoctrination type of thing that we just need to keep giving. We just need to make sure that everybody is taken care of, like disregard yourself. And that if, when I really look at my, my life, I see that so much in so many uh, women around me. Um, You know, you go into like any mommy thing and it's always like mommy burnout, mommy burnout. And yes, motherhood is hard. I'm not saying it isn't, it for sure is, but like we, we are so willing to just like lay ourselves out there and martyr ourselves because it's, it's almost like, if a badge we don't, of honor. then we're bad. It's almost a badge of honor, right? Uh-huh. Yes. We, we all wear it like, Oh, I'm so burnt out. Cause I'm doing all these things. And like Gracie's doing this and blah, blah, blah. Like, right. And we almost celebrate how every mom, like the hot mess culture, hot mess, mom culture. Right. It's like, we're celebrating burnout. Well, not really. There's a different way. There's a better way. Right. Totally. Oh my gosh. The badge of honor thing. Yes. This has been one of my pet peeves for a really long time. And I think, like for me, I think this is one of these weird. Okay, you guys, I have to tell you this saying. So one of the most world-renowned horse whisperers at one of his big clinics said, if you want to excel with horses, look at what all the top people are doing and do the exact opposite. It was such a shocking statement. I thought, what? This guy's crazy. These are very successful people. Why would you do the opposite? And now I'm, I'm just, I want to say like, I am waking up to this idea that our norms, like wearing that badge of honor, when you really strip it down, that is the norm. But that is so tragic. It is so tragic because if you don't wear that badge of honor, it's almost you're considered selfish. And right now in the last two years, that idea of being selfish has been like, you were going to get killed for being selfish. That's horrible. You know? And I just think, oh my gosh, I think truly we need to be a bit more selfish. Selfish is survival. Selfish is moving on with your life. Now, obviously, again, let's try to find a balance, right? Being a little bit more selfish as moms will fill our own cups, which therefore then we can go around and fill our family's cups and our friends' cups if there's anything left. So but is it really selfish? No, I agree with you. I, it's yeah. not selfish. I, I 100% agree, Erica. It's not selfish. But let's, okay, let's coin it something different. What, the best um, saying that's really stuck with me is, what if what's best for you is what's best for everybody else? Yes. yes. Right. It's like, I, I don't know if anybody's ever done this, but I like through 
um, a personal development coach, I actually sat there and he was like, I want you to write down all the relationships in your life and then give them a score. What should be number one? What should be number two? What should be number three kind of thing. Right. And so you end up valuing, you put what's most, what's highest first. And most of us put our kids and our spouse above us. But it's like, if we take care of ourselves, then we're naturally a little bit more um, fulfilled. Like if our kid says, Hey, mommy, can you play with me? And you're not taking care of yourself. You're like, I don't want it. Right. And it feels like a burden to go and play with them. But if you're filling yourself up and they say, Hey, mommy, can you play with me? You're like, absolutely. And you actually are fully there and fully embodied because you're not like, Oh, I have a million things to do. Right. There's always going to be dishes. There's always going to be bills to pay, but you know, we only have this one life to experience. And I also just think like what's selfish is, is, is us not taking care of ourselves and not sharing our gifts, our power, um, who we are with the world. When we just sit here in this world of like, we have to just martyr ourselves for everybody else. We're actually taking away from the bigger picture. We are taking away from the world because I believe that we are all here. We all have gifts to share. We, we all have something to offer but we're suffocating ourselves. We're putting our own pillow over our faces and not letting ourselves show up and play big and, and get to give to other people um, because we're giving in the wrong way, right? We're just giving from this empty place. Whereas if like, when we feel alive, think about how alive people around us feel. You give them permission to feel alive. You give your kids permission to feel alive. Like I have two daughters, right? And I go, do I want them to be looking at the world going, I just have to sacrifice myself for everybody around me to make everybody comfortable. Is that my dream for them? When I look at my daughters right now? No. So I don't want to set that example for them. Nope. And that that's been, it was a big turning point for me as well was like, what kind of example am I leading for my kids? Right. And now I've had people that are like, God, I want your life because I like, I've changed the way that I work from COVID. Like I found COVID to be a blessing in a lot of ways because it really opened my eyes. I I spent a a month recovering from burnout with COVID. Like I was literally like drinking a ton of alcohol, sleeping and like, just really like doing nothing because I realized how hard I was working and I'm like, but not experiencing. So I'm like, I'm working super hard. Why am I doing that? And I know not everybody has this choice, but like I ended up going to work for myself and I work part-time and I have way better work-life balance now. And it's like, I get to spend time out in the grass when it's sunny outside. Most of us are like, there's very little daylight left when we're going, you know, to and from work. So I know that not everybody has that ability, but it's like finding those ways of like showing up and being able to experience life. Cause it's, I had to make a choice that was deemed as selfish by my employers, but like it gave me a better life because of it. Other people turn and look and they're like, well, how do I get that? And I'm like, I love how you just, you kind of talked about how your employers kind of judged you basically. Yeah. And they were like, good luck with that. Right. I was listening to uh, Dr. Shafali this morning and whoever doesn't know about Dr. Shafali, look her up. She's incredible, but she was doing an interview with Jay Shetty and they were talking about this type of thing. And 
what she said was basically the price of feeling freedom of feeling your true authentic self is going to be judgment. It's going to be criticism. That's the price that you need to pay for the prize of being free. Yes. And that's, it is. And that's one of the reasons why we keep ourselves small, right? As kids, it's like when a woman starts stepping into owning her sexuality or sensuality, like other women are like, what are you doing? Right. And I, I was one of those ones. Like that's actually what started me on this whole feminine journey is I saw these women in thong bikinis dancing what I, as I deem strippers on the, on the dock, just down at the beach. And I was like, Oh, but then I was like, I realized actually that that trigger was actually something in me and something that I was missing in me in, in the ability to own my sexuality like that, whether I would do that or not is one thing, but it's like, I now have the choice to own my sexuality like that. I'm empowered because I'm like, I can choose to either do that or not do that. Right. That, that judgment piece sometimes is literally just us actually wanting that us actually wanting a piece of it. But if we just continue pretending that it's a most horrible thing, then maybe, you know, the rest of the people won't get a piece of that either. Just because we're going to hold, if we're going to hold ourselves down, we're going to hold everybody down. And the, the quicker we can get rid of that in ourselves and, and celebrate each other. Oh man, the sky's the limit. I got to tell you to a story because I thought, you know, this whole celebrating women thing has been near and dear to my heart for a really long time. My girlfriend and I went to Costco a couple months ago and we came through the checkout and this woman came up to me and I had taken my mask off and I thought, oh, here we go because it was a Costco employee and she walked up and I kind of was like, okay, well, we're leaving anyway. And she walked up to me and she said, you're a beautiful woman. I almost fell over backwards. You know, it was like, I'd made up the story in my head about what was coming and my girlfriend was waiting in the bathroom and I just needed to get out of there. And, and I just sat there and I just stared at her and I, well, you know, didn't even know what to say. And she goes, I'm not hitting on you because <laughs> I couldn't get my words out. And I went, oh my gosh, no, that's not what I meant. I said, I almost have tears in my eyes because that is such a thank you. You know, thank you. That is a beautiful comment. And I, I really appreciate that. And we had such great dialogue for the next five minutes. And it was like the most uplifting moment ever. It was just beautiful. And I just thought to myself, we need to just get out of our heads and celebrate each other. No matter what, people can do different things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to stop our own journey. And just because everybody else isn't jumping on our ideas or our bandwagon, if that is authentically us, then we need to just go ahead and drive ahead. But also, we have to let the other people drive in their own direction as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's like... Isn't it sad that your first reaction was like, I'm going to get attacked. Yes. And that right? was like, my own doing. Why though? But like, it, it's the same. Like I ended up getting yelled at in a parking lot um, just the other day at, at my child's school by a man. And like my first instinct was like, why is this okay? Like, why is it that we can show up in this world where it's okay to attack human beings instead of celebrating them, right? Like yes. instead of, instead of leading with compassion. And I know that that starts with me. Like I have to be that change. So I sit there and I'm like, where can I 
my question that I ask myself is where, where can I soften instead of harden? Cause a lot of times we get like instantly hard, right. When somebody's attacking us because we're, our nervous systems are on fire, especially in the two, these last two years, we are in such survival mode. Our nervous systems are on fire. So we have to have that ability to show up and and soften instead of harden. And it doesn't matter if that other person thinks differently than you. It doesn't matter if there's a man or a woman or it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Soften. We all have moments where we can soften, where we actually, we're so used to hardening. I'm just reflecting right now on that quote that Mona kind of brought up from Brene Brown, because I think, I think it's along the lines of strong back, soft front, wild hearts. Yes. That's exactly where it's from. And so that strong back, I kind of am thinking right now of just having those boundaries, right? Having that boundary of what you know is right for you. Having the soft front of being able to have compassion for others who we're meeting, compassion for ourselves. And then this is like the the backing or the boundary part is like, okay, so I have compassion for you. This isn't going to work for me. And just let them go, right? But you don't have Mm -hmm. to compromise yourself in that moment. And then the wild heart. I mean, take that as you will. I just think that's like the beauty of unleashing, which is the, you know, the topic of this podcast, but that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. I think the the wild heart for me is the courage to feel Mm -hmm. in a world where we're taught that feelings really aren't great. It's the courage to feel it all and including the tough, painful stuff, not just bearing it, bearing it down or numbing it out. It's like, sometimes we have to feel the suck, but because of that, we can love deeper. We can find joy and play and ecstasy, those bigger feelings that we're all, we're all searching for and we all really want, um, but we can't get to. And I just heard a Jordan Peterson quote, and I'm not sure if I am going to get it right, but it's like, most people will say, I just want to be happy. And really what they're meaning is I don't want to be miserable. Yes. We just tend to focus on all the positives, because if it's not hundred percent positive, then it must be negative. Instead of understanding that, you know, just looking around us, there are wet parts of the year. There have to be dry parts of the year. If there's to be valleys, there have to be mountains. You know, if there is to be life, you have to have male and female. First, there has to be death. If there's going to be life. And we have all, we we only want one. We only want one thing. And it's like, so many years now, we have been indoctrined into this idea that you can just chase that happiness. And if you keep chasing it, it will come. Instead of, you know, happiness being okay with one day not being so great. That is okay. It is okay to feel a little bit blasé about something. You can't have those feelings of ecstasy without having that baseline. I've got to tell you something else that I heard, and it's sticking with me. And Erica, you've been to Africa, and I've always, I've never had this draw to go to Africa until the last two years. And I don't, or two months, sorry, I don't know, you know, whether this will be in my journey or not. But there was this discussion surrounding somebody who had come to Australia from Africa, from South Africa. And they were asked about how, you know, they love the vibe in Australia. And they said, yeah, yeah, it's so-so, you know. What? How could you not love it? It's a super peachy vibe, you know. 
And they said, well, you know what? Yeah, it's beachy and all, but it's just not the same as home. Well, tell me about that, right? Like, what does that mean, same as home? And she said, well, you get off an airplane in South Africa or anywhere in Africa for that meaning. And there's this electricity in the air because every single creature, including humans, know that today is the day they might die. And so it 100% changes the way that you live. Because without that baseline of potential death, you wouldn't be fully living. And we, I feel, in our westernized cultures have lost that. We have lost it completely. And if we can only get back to some of that and that acceptance of things, I think it can elevate us to new levels. I, I a hundred percent agree. Like I, I, I've, you know, I've said, you know, the last two years has been evidence on how scared we are of actually dying that we forget how to live and we forget how to experience the life that is happening right now because we're scared of tomorrow or we're thinking about the past and every single moment is pulling us away from experiencing right now. And then we get through our life and we're like, Oh shit, I missed a lot of it. Right. Like how many, how many moms will tell you, enjoy this time because you'll miss it right now. And you're like, I'm trying, but I'm just trying to get through the day. But we're, we aren't present at all in those moments because we're so worried. And then we bombard ourselves with making sure that we're enjoying it. We're like, I got to enjoy it. Right. We almost overwhelm ourselves instead of just being where we're at right now. And that's my favorite thing to do is like, where am I right now? Am I lonely? Am I sad? Am I tired? Am I happy? Where am I right now? And allowing that feeling and that emotion, like I don't label any emotions as bad. They all are. And they're, it's just, they are. And so it's like, am I grieving right now? Yes. Because there's a constant life, death, rebirth of me. I'm like, I'm a different person tomorrow. And I'm a different person than I was like five minutes ago. Right? Like, so we don't, we don't offer enough acceptance to just be in the moment, right? Like how often are you upset about something and a friend goes, Oh, just cheer up. It will be better. It's like, no, I actually just need you to say, Hey, this sucks right now, but I'm here. This is experiencing the contrast. I'm having this moment of like contrast is so important. We can't appreciate either side if we don't experience the good and the bad. And that's just like to, keep it really simple but yeah you can't you just need to be in those moments let's just feel the sadness and then when you get to be joyful you get to just experience the joy but you wouldn't know what joy was if you didn't know what sadness was right exactly so the whole journey of all of it is experiencing all of it and then you appreciate all of those moments so much more if we can just accept those and let them in and surrender to them really it's about honoring the human experience. We are mm-hmm. spiritual beings having a human experience, right? So Sharice, we like to ask all of our guests this question. What would your life look like if you were fully unleashed and dared to dream? <sighs> well, I would probably be living out in the bush somewhere in like silk kimonos and <laughs> dancing wild in underneath, nakedly underneath the moon around a fire or something. <laughs> Hey, I can make that happy for you, happen for you. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, then we definitely should talk. Um, yeah, I I just experienced, like, my main, 
the highest version of where I want to go is just leaning so far into like just experiencing the depth of every emotion that we have, every moment that we have, just really fully embodying the present and wherever this beautiful, wonderful world decides to take me. Beautiful. It's like, did I fully answer your question? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a good oh, one. You, no, you did. I think it's, um, and I think that you're really, you know, well into that journey and we can hear that. And it's very empowering. Sharice, you finding passion about yourself is giving permission to other women to find passion for themselves and our men out there too. We might have some male listeners on this episode. Um, and I hope that there's some takeaways for them too, but you're granting permission for people just to seek play, seek passion about themselves, to find joy, to find their power and to not be suffocating who they really are. So thank you. And thank that you for is, sharing your journey with us. <laughs> that is my main desire is like, I want every single person just living every depth of their experience that they possibly can. That's what it's all about. We're on this journey with you. And thank you so much. Mm, thank you for having me. This was uh, super fun. <laughs> I just love this interview with Sharice. She's one of these people that are out there challenging the societal and cultural norms. She's looking at our patriarchal society that is so achievement-based. And when I say that, that's our masculine energy, which is so needed. You know, we need to be in the doing sometimes. It needs to be action-oriented, but it's become so dominant in our society. And I love that she's introducing this idea of bringing some feminine energy back in this idea of being, attracting, intuition. And when we honor these, that we're going to feel more in alignment with who we really are. The next thing I loved was talking about play, how we all need to go out and find our play if we truly want to live. So what does that mean for you? Think back to when you were a kid, what brought you joy, and I encourage you to go out and make that happen this week. Go play, whatever that looks like for you. Third thing was if we don't honor our own needs in a relationship, then we're sabotaging that relationship with resentment. So we get to ask for what we want. And the other person gets to choose whether they're going to indulge in that. And I think magic happens when we get to show up honestly like that in our relationships with others. And lastly, put yourself first. It's not selfish. You get to give from a full cup. You get to be present. And it's not selfish when you're feeling alive and bringing your gifts and talents to the world. The whole world benefits. And lastly, experience the contrast. Try not to judge it. We need to have the good and the bad to make things simple, or the black and the white, to appreciate everything in between. Any other takeaways that you have, join us in our Facebook group and let us know. We'd love to keep this conversation going. Love to know what you think. See you next time.